morning. Welcome to Talkline on the Metro News Radio Network. Do not attempt to change the station. You are surrounded. We interrupt this program to bring you an emergency news bulletin. Repeat, this is an emergency bulletin. Keep your radio turned on. From the studios of WVRC Media and the Metro News Radio Network, the voice of West Virginia, comes the most powerful radio show in West Virginia. This, this is Metro News Talk Live with, with Hoppy Kerchival. Check set light up like Activated Telos Telephone. Switch network control from Charleston to Morgan Stand by. Q Hoppy, you're on. Metro News Talk Line with Hoppy Kerchival is brought to you by Encoga Insurance. Encircling you with coverage to protect what you care about most. Visit Encoga.com to learn more. Good morning. Welcome to Talk Line on Metro News from the Encoga Insurance Studios. Hoppy Kerchival, your host. Taylor Kennedy with the video stream. You can watch at WVMetroNews.com. The phone number is 1-800-765-8255. Text me 304-TALK-304. Coming up today in just a little bit... John Decker weighs in with more specifics on the possible indictment, possible indictment of former President Donald Trump. I'll give you my take on that as well. Also coming up, Joe Bricado, a wrap-up of the State Boys High School basketball tournament, including a bit of a kerfuffle between two of the coaches in the Quad A class. Also coming up, an attorney in West Virginia says he has new information on a lawsuit filed uh, on behalf of inmates at the Southern Regional Jail in Beckley. We'll get to that. Uh, also coming up on Talk Line this morning, Jason Pizzatella with the Contractors Association. They're having a big uh, expo this week. What are they looking for? What's ahead? What are the, uh, what's the outlook for the uh, construction and contractors industry in West Virginia? And Brad Howell joins us later on. Surprising departure, surprising departure of West Virginia first-year women's basketball coach Dawn Plistelwhite was only here a year, a year and done, uh, like like some players. What happened there? We'll get into that. But first off this morning, in January, Jim Kaufman, president and CEO of the West Virginia Hospital Association, came on this program just as the legislative session was getting underway. And Kaufman announced that Wheeling Hospital had made the decision to stop accepting PEIA patients to stop accepting PEIA patients, inpatients, as of July 1. That caused a significant wave of concern across the state and in the legislature. The reason given was that the reimbursement, the amount that PEIA paid for the services rendered, was way below the actual cost. In fact, it was only 50% of what Medicare paid for those services. Wheeling Hospital said at the time they simply could not afford to treat PEIA patients. That raised concerns not only about the patients who went to Wheeling, but patients who went to other hospitals wondering, would that hospital be next? What about other providers? Well, that has changed because the governor signed into law the significant changes to PEIA. And one of the big ones is that now reimbursements for hospitals, for inpatient, will go to 110% of Medicare, of what Medicare pays, to try to more closely cover the actual cost. Jim Kaufman joins us on Metro News Talk on Jim, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Happy, happy Monday. Happy Monday to you. A significant change from earlier when we talked in January when you were announcing that Wheeling Hospital was going to stop accepting PEIA patients. Well, there's been a big change to PEIA reimbursements, so is there a change at Wheeling Hospital? 
Yes, sir. Wheeling Hospital announced on Friday after the governor signed the Senate bill that increased the reimbursement rates to 110% of Medicare that they will be fully participating in PEIA. And I just really need to thank the governor and the legislature, specifically Senator Moroni and Delegate Warbaugh, for their leadership when addressing this access to care challenge. When you talked with me in January, did you foresee that this is how this would end up? That it would that there would be a a change that would raise those reimbursements, have Wheeling Hospital change and and also uh, help some of these other hospitals. Did you anticipate that happening? We were hopeful because I think one of the things is over the past couple of years we were showing how poor PEIA was paying in-state providers. I mean, as you noted, PEIA was paying in-state hospitals fifty percent of Medicare while they were paying out-of-state hospitals, you know, 150 to 200% of Medicare, which is more of a commercial-level reimbursement. And that was a major fiscal challenge. But we also recognize that, you know, PEI is a major issue with the legislature and the governor, and it was going to be a challenge to increase those reimbursement rates. So we are very thankful the governor and the legislature addressed that access to care problem so the hospitals have the resources they need to recruit providers and nurses. Jim Kaufman's with us, president and CEO of the West Virginia Hospital Association. When you announced that Wheeling Hospital is going to stop accepting PEIA patients, and again, they've changed their mind now that the PEIA reimbursements are up to 110 uh, percent, you alluded to the possibility of other hospitals that may follow suit. So is it fair to say that that, that has alleviated those fears as well? You are 100% correct. Uh, I've heard no other hospital providers that are going to limit their PEI access at this point. Um, the one thing I should note is hospitals continue to face financial challenges. I mean, as we've talked about before, right now the average hospital in West Virginia is looking at a negative 7% operating margin. And I do think you're going to see other hospitals continue to look at how to cut costs. Um, that was why Wheeling originally announced they were not going to accept PEIA. You may see other changes, but I don't think it's going to be specific to PEIA in the future. With other changes, do you mean closures or mergers? Closures, mergers, or curtailing certain services. So, for example, um, Mountain Health announced that they were going to be closing their home health program, and that was due to financial challenges and some of the financial issues they're dealing with. So you may see other hospitals looking at how to cut costs. So you may see some changes in services that they're offering. When hospitals reduce services, then what does that do to uh, the health care uh, that's provided in that community? Because obviously, they're, I mean, the services are there for a reason. So what does that do to health care in certain communities if services are reduced? Now, that's a great point. I mean, that's where the hospital is trying to do everything it can to provide those services. At the same time, you only have so many dollars to be able to recruit providers, recruit staff, and cover the cost of care. So sometimes it's looking at other opportunities and, you know, trying to figure out how to plug those holes. Sometimes, unfortunately, it doesn't happen. There is a gap. And that's why the hospitals collectively are looking at how to best serve their community across the board. Uh, Jim, the, the fix for PEI reimbursement for inpatient care in the bill that's now law, was that a one-year or is that a continuing that's continuing. So what will happen in the future is Medicare adjusts its rates, PEI will adjust its rates also, so to be a minimum of 110% in the future. Is there anything in the bill, again, now law, that addresses um, other types of care that PEI pays for, whether it's just uh, outpatient care or for uh, other health care providers, uh, doctor's offices, things like that, because they have issues too. 
No, you're exactly right. And that's why across the board, I mean, we were focused on the inpatient side because that was where the biggest significant gap was, 50% of Medicare, where PIA was paying other providers, physicians, outpatient services, usually 100 to 110% of Medicare, which I should note, even at 110% of Medicare, you're still below the cost of care, but it's significantly closer. The bill now does raise the threshold to 110% for all providers. What is the fact for all providers? All providers. Yes. Okay. Uh, also, the the fact that there is this 110 uh, percent reimbursement does that mean there will be less cost shifting to private payers? And should private payers see any benefit to this? That is our hope. Is that now that we're getting closer to the cost of care on the PEIA side? Hopefully, the hospitals will not have to shift as much to the commercial side because they'll have the resources that they need now that PEI is paying its fair share. All right, Jim Kaufman, president and CEO of West Virginia Hospital Association on the PEI changes in that new law, specifically an increase of reimbursements. The reimbursement rate for in-hospital stays, but not just in-hospital, right, for all PEI recipients. All providers. All, for all providers to 110% of the Medicare uh, reimbursement rate. All right, Jim, thanks for coming on. Appreciate the update. Thanks, Hoppy. Thanks for all your great coverage during session as well. Thank you. My pleasure. When we come back on Metro News Talk Line, so Donald Trump has said that he may get indicted, indicted on an allegation of paying hush money to Stormy Daniels to cover up their alleged uh, tryst. We're going to get a take on this when we come back from John Decker. I'll give you my take as well. Talk Line continues. We'll be right back. The most advanced tools in pediatric surgery are the hands of the surgeons at WVU Medicine Children's. The heart and neuroscience centers at WVU Medicine Children's Hospital bring together the medical, surgical, and support services your family needs, making it the premier destination for the diagnosis and treatment of neurological and congenital heart conditions. At WVU Medicine Children's, we will be with you every step of the way. Visit WVUKids.com. West Virginia is home. It's where we work, play, and raise our families. And at the heart are West Virginia hospitals and the compassionate caregivers within them. From life-saving treatments and emergency care to wellness support and screening services, we're improving your quality of life through extraordinary measures and amazing results. Beyond our walls and in your communities, West Virginia hospitals are your trusted home for lifelong health. West Virginia hospitals, best of care, close to home. This is Talk Line on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. West Virginia Outdoors is the Mountain State's only hook and bullet radio show dedicated to the more than quarter million hunters and anglers across the state. Award-winning host Chris Lawrence has been tracking down hunting and fishing stories for more than 25 years. Fun fact about groundhogs that not a lot of people know is they actually go through hepatitis B, much like humans do. So they've actually been used as a role model for how hepatitis progresses through humans. Don't even act like you knew that. Whether it's hunting and fishing news or just compelling stories about the enjoyment of the great outdoors he brought the dogs in the next day that dog as soon as it got out of the side side it hit the nose on the ground it pulled us it took us straight to that deer show him point got a point you got that one west virginia outdoors covers it all saturday mornings at 706 a.m and for your daily fix outdoors today brings you two and a half minutes of news and notes from the woods and water every weekday morning on metro news the voice of west virginia 
Your source for news in the Mountain State is Metro News. Weekday mornings, start your day with the morning news. Three hours of the biggest stories across West Virginia, along with sports, weather, and more. Stay updated throughout the day with reports at half past each hour. And find all the info you need on your schedule at wvmetronews.com. The news you want from the name you trust. Metro News, for 36 years, the voice of West Virginia. Hi, this is Travis Jones. Join me and Coach Greg Hunter every Sunday night from 6.06 until 8 o'clock on the Metro News Radio Network for the CityNet Sunday Night Statewide Sports Line. We'll wrap up the week in sports in the Mountain State, talk about the Mountaineers, high school, and the Mountain East Conference. Plus, you can join the conversation on our toll-free line or on our text line at 304-TALK-304. Join us every Sunday night from 6.06 until 8 p.m. on Metro News. It's the CityNet Sunday Night Statewide Sports Line. Metro News Talk Line with Hoppy Kirchival is brought to you by Encova Insurance. Encircling you with coverage to protect what you care about most. Visit Encova.com to learn more. Talk Line from the Encova Insurance Studios in the Dale Miller Building. John Decker is the Senior National Editor and White House Correspondent for Gray Television. In West Virginia, that's WSAC, WTAP, WDTV, and WVVA. Also want to point out that John is an attorney. I think that's relevant for our discussion coming up. Good morning, John. Hey, good morning, Hoppy. Hope you're doing well today and had a great weekend. I did, and I hope you did as well. Let's get into this meaty topic of President, former President Donald Trump saying that he expects to be charged tomorrow by a grand jury in New York with making this uh, hush money payment of $130,000 to Stormy Daniels. Give me the legal, of course it hasn't happened yet, but give me the legal aspect of this, then we'll go a little deeper. Well, that's right. This has to do with a payment, uh, I guess you could call it a hush money payment, to the adult film actress Stormy Daniels that happened in the weeks before the 2016 presidential election. Uh, the problem is is the cover-up associated with that particular payment, the alleged cover-up, and whether or not that cover-up took part as it relates to the books of the Trump Organization. And so the grand jury has heard several times from the former personal attorney to Donald Trump, Michael Cohen. I don't think they're going to make an entire case based upon the testimony of Michael Cohen. And why is that? Uh, He's been convicted uh, of lying uh, to Congress, served prison time for that. So they would have to make a case based not only upon his testimony, but the testimony of others and also emails or text messages that he would have provided to back up the story that he's been telling to the grand jury. And as it relates to the grand jury perhaps indicting the former president, uh, there is no indication that that will happen tomorrow or any other day. Uh, that's just the speculation on the part of the former president. John, paying money to someone to keep quiet is, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're a lawyer, that in and of itself is not against the law, right? But I, I guess what they're trying to get him on, if if what we think is the case is the case, that there was a falsification of records of where the money came from and how it was used? That is correct. And also possible campaign law, campaign finance law violations. So that's what we're talking about in this particular case of all the investigations that uh, are 
underway and have been launched against former President Donald Trump. This, I think, is the most is the least problematic for him. There are others. The uh, investigation being conducted by the Atlanta, uh, Georgia, actually the Fulton County, Georgia DA, the special counsel investigation into those classified documents that were found in the possession of Donald Trump at his home in Mar-a-Lago, January 6th, all of the things associated with that. This one is the least problematic for him. Uh, that being said, if he's indicted, uh, like all individuals who would be indicted, he would be requested to come to Manhattan and be processed associated with that indictment. And that would mean uh, the things that you typically see for indicted individuals, photographed, uh, fingerprinted, that type of thing. So uh, Donald Trump, uh, for whatever reason, believes that this is the week that this indictment will uh, be uh, handed down by this grand jury. Uh, but the Manhattan DA has said uh, there's no confirmation of that. In fact, there's another witness that is testifying today before right. that very grand jury. So I don't think that, that tomorrow is the day that we could see an indictment. And that witness who's testifying was actually summoned by or called by the Trump attorneys, which is I, what I read meant to try to undermine the Michael Cohen testimony. Does that sound that right? Is correct. No, that is correct. So this individual uh, formally represented Michael Cohen, uh, an attorney uh, himself, and according to Donald Trump, that this particular witness uh, will make it, according to Donald Trump, more difficult uh, for an indictment to be handed down. Having said that, uh, keep in mind what he uh, put out on his social media site, Truth Social, uh, over the weekend, which is he believes an indictment will indeed uh come down on Tuesday, and that is knowing full well that this individual is testifying before the grand jury today. John Decker is with the senior national editor and White House correspondent for Great Television. John, to me, I'm, I'm not a lawyer, but reading about this and reading about the charge that may be brought, and I know maybe we're getting the cart before the horse here a little bit, but this is very thin soup to me. I mean, I agree. Yeah. Uh, that that uh, that you may have, and and I understand nobody's above the law. I, I I get all that, and and that's an important value in this country. But also, prosecutors make decisions all the time about whether they have a strong case. If you're talking about indicting a or trying to indict a former president of the United States, and you're going to go the route of if what we read is true, you're going to go the route of falsifying a record about a payment. That's that is pretty far down the line. That's pretty far down the line to me. Um, I agree. And keep in mind when all of these actions uh, took place back in 2016. So here we are seven years later, yeah. grand jury being impaneled. And, uh, you know, it's a head scratcher as to why all of this effort is uh, being uh, put forward, as you put put it, uh, for the unprecedented uh, possibility of indicting a former president of the United States. The other uh, two investigations that I mentioned, those are more problematic mm -hmm. for the former president, and there's a lot more meat to them, if you want to call it then, uh, that, than this particular. I think this is more embarrassing more than anything else. John Decker, Senior National Editor, White House Correspondent for Great Television, WSAZ, WTAP, WDTV, and WVVA. Thank you, John. Thanks a lot, Hoppy. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you. Appreciate it. The, again, and those of you who follow the show and follow my commentaries know that I am no fan of Donald Trump. I believe that he continues to present uh, the falsity about the 2020 election being stolen, and I think he inspired 
the insurrection that occurred at the Capitol. Talked about that many times. Many of you uh, disagree with me about that. But having said that, uh, this does not, this to me seems like, if it goes forward the way it has been portrayed in the media, and as Donald Trump said, this feels like not a trumped-up charge necessarily, but it feels like pretty minor stuff. It doesn't feel like it is. It is pretty minor stuff. Uh, at best, a misdemeanor. And was Trump trying to keep quiet about the um, the payment to Stormy Daniels? I'm sure. Was he using campaign money? Maybe. I, I don't know. But still, that's, that, is, that is misdemeanor stuff. And if you're going to... In, if you're going to, for the first time, for the first time in the history of the country, to bring an indictment against, and you can indict a ham sandwich, we know that, because you're just presenting uh, you know, evidence and there's not any cross-examination. So you're, and if you're going to indict a former president of the United States on a criminal charge for the first time in the nation's history, you should have something a lot stronger than what amounts to some record-keeping shenanigans. I mean, in context, the attempt to try to find votes in Georgia, and that investigation is ongoing as well. I mean, that is much, much, much more serious than this. And what you're going to do is you're going to empower, you're going to further inflame people who believe, or it's going to add to the notion that Trump is being persecuted by his enemies. In this country, I mean, I think there's enough uh, that, that Trump has done with uh, perpetuating the falsehood about, falsehood about the election and about uh, January 6th. There is enough there to be critical of Donald Trump, okay? But he still has obviously his base of supporters. But when you get to the point where you may, may be bringing an indictment for something like this, you really are. You really are giving credibility to those who say you're just going after Donald Trump. And it looks like um, typically prosecutors, if they're doing their job, they look at the evidence. They look at the evidence and say, is there reason to bring a charge? Do I have enough here? And prosecutors, it's a matter of discretion. They make decisions all the time about whether to bring charge. Well, this is a, I don't really don't have it here. Or this is a good case. Or what are the chances of winning this case? So typically, you look at the look at the evidence and see if you can bring a charge. This feels more like, with Alvin Bragg, it feels more like, okay, I, I've decided that Trump is a criminal. Let me go find evidence to try to prove it. It feels like that the paradigm has been turned upside down. That's what it feels like to me. Happy, we strongly disagree on most matters related to the former president, but I want to say I truly appreciate your thoughts regarding regarding the current situation. And I, look, I'm just trying to be just candid about this. I, I think this is um, this is I believe strong in the rule of law, and I, I I just I don't think this bodes well for the judicial system. This to me uh, undermines the belief that that people are treated fairly uh, in this country, and especially when you come to the matter of a former president. I think this is. I think this effort, if it's going to turn out to be what it's believed to be, is way off the rails. This is Talk Line on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. It's 10.30. Let's get a news update. Check in with the Metro News Radio Network. Find out what's happening statewide this hour all across the great state of West Virginia. 
West Virginia Metro News. I'm Carrie Hudasek. A number of weekend fires in Huntington are under investigation. The latest fire happened at two abandoned homes just after 2 o'clock this morning in the 300 block of Richmond Street in the Guyandot area. Another abandoned home went up in flames on West 5th Avenue on Saturday night. A vacant commercial building on Washington Avenue is said to be demolished today after catching fire Sunday morning. No one was hurt in either of the fires. An investigation is expected to be done soon involving allegations of abuse against five special needs students at a Morgantown Elementary School. Montegalia County School Superintendent Eddie Campbell says law enforcement will ultimately determine if criminal charges will be filed. As to whether the authorities determine that the situation rises to the level of a criminal aspect, uh, that's completely up to them and their investigation and their findings. After the incident at North Elementary School was reported to police, the principal, Natalie Webb, and her assistant, Carol Munez, along with three other educators, were placed on administrative leave. A new study finds more coal miners are suffering from black lung and lung cancer. UMWA Administrator for Health and Safety Josh Roberts says it's unclear what caused the increase, but he believes it could have to do with modern mining technology. You know, miners nowadays are mining seams of coal that were uh, probably unminable, you know, many years ago. The study was conducted by the University of Chicago. You're listening to Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. The continually rising cost of a college tuition can be a huge burden on a student and their family, particularly here in West Virginia. Metro News Radio Network, along with their other sponsors, are proud to announce the 2023 West Virginia Scholar Program, which will help change the life of a West Virginia family forever. Any high school junior in West Virginia is eligible to apply where you could receive a full scholarship, including four years of room, board, tuition, and fees at West Virginia Wesleyan College one of our state's most prestigious institutions of higher learning. If you have a current junior in high school or know someone who does, go to wvmetronews.com and click on the WV Scholar button to apply now. The application deadline is April 30th. It's easy to apply. Don't miss this opportunity for a full scholarship at one of the best colleges in our state. Apply today at wvmetronews.com. Remember the application deadline is April 30th. There's a new owner of the Donut Connection in the Kanawha City section of Charleston, and she's only 20 years old. Teresa Ortiz says most of her employees have been working there since before she was born. I have a couple employees who've been there for 30 years. They've been extremely supportive. Mm-hmm. I have uh, the previous owner. He's been helping out a lot as well. It's hard not to learn, and if you don't learn, you will. And Ortiz says she graduated high school at the age of 14. From the Metro News Anchor Desk, I'm Kerry Hudasek. Tuckline on Metro News, welcome back to the Encova Insurance Studios in the Dale Miller building. Are you feeling lucky this year? Well, luck has it. There's a game just for you in the new Lucky Family Scratch-Off Games with chances to multiply your prize in more than $19 million in prizes. Luck may be on your side. You don't have to turn on the charm to play the five lucky instant games. Just visit a West Virginia lottery retailer today. Text 304-TALK-304. Text Hoppy. And I see where Trump is calling for a protest, just like January 6th. Well, 
He did call for a protest. I don't think he referenced January 6th. I'm not sure, but uh, certainly you have a right to protest in this country. Where it gets out of where where you cross the line is when you start trespassing, breaking things, and assaulting people, like you had on January 6th. Uh, it, I don't know. It could get out of hand, I guess. Um, so we'll see. I mean, based on January 6th, it's dangerous for him to call for a protest. But we'll see. Uh, let's see. Uh, looking at others, looking at others here. Hoppy Hillary uh, was fined a campaign finance violation for the Steele dossier. Barack Obama had a campaign fi- finance violation, had to pay a sum of money. At the very most, there should be a fine for campaign finance violations. Did not the previous district attorney find there was no evidence for this charge during the Trump administration? The... Well, they looked, it didn't, I think Bragg looked into the Trump business finances, right? And Trump didn't get indicted for that. So this, and, and we'll see. I mean, this is, this is based on Trump saying, this is based on knowing what the grand jury has been looking into and based on what Trump himself said. But there is a lot of universal uh, concern here that this is, uh, this is over the line. This is. Maybe not prosecutorial misconduct, but certainly uh, pejorative action by a district attorney that is that looks very, very, very politically motivated, as opposed to rooting out crime. Happy modern day witch hunt says the texter. Happy the DOJ is the strong arm of the liberal establishment. Oh, he's the New York attorney. Right, see the U.S. He's the um, he's the Manhattan District Attorney. Is that is he a federal U.S. Attorney? Alvin Bragg. Text. Uh, Hoppy, the election was rigged. Wow, we're still we're still plowing that ground. The election was rigged. It wasn't. <laughs> Hoppy, should we normalize presidents and candidates paying hush money to their? Prostitutes, I, I, no, no, and there is plenty of evidence that Donald Trump paid hush money to a um, adult film actress. So, to me, that is a so that is a moral indiscretion that individuals can weigh to decide whether or not. Uh, that impacts their belief about Donald Trump, okay? Uh, having an affair is not illegal. Uh, having an affair with an adult film star is not illegal. Uh, paying hush money, to my knowledge, to an adult film star is not illegal. May well be a technical illegality in how the money was paid or, or the record-keeping of that. But again, is that is that what you're going to use are you going to use something that happened seven years ago that is essentially, essentially a record-keeping matter to indict a former president of the United States? And in doing so, and I know the argument's going to be, well, you break the law, you break the law. Again, discretion is used all the time. Do you want to set that as the standard so that every president is subject to that kind of scrutiny seven years gone by? 
it's it feels very very much to me like prosecutorial overkill. Three hundred four talk three hundred four. Happy you've not talked about the extortion charge dropped against Stormy Daniels. Happy when you're going to indict a former president, it should be for a crime. I'm not in the business of. Excusing minor crimes committed by the rich and powerful. It's funny how so many argue for a literal two-tier criminal justice system. No one is above the law, really. Well, I, I know that's the argument. No one is above the law. But again, prosecutors are constantly making decisions about whether to bring charges. A, do these, do these allegations rise to the level of a crime? B, what would the crime be? C, do I have enough evidence to bring allegations before a grand jury. D, if I do get an indictment, if I manage to get an indictment because it's pretty easy to get an indictment, what's this trial going to be? Can I get a conviction? Can I get a conviction? So these kinds of decisions are made all the time. And certainly not every allegation leads to a grand jury indictment. Happy I followed the Stormy Daniels case closely. I don't understand why Stormy hasn't been charged with trying to blackmail Trump. If every politician was indicted for misuse of campaign funds, there'd be no one left to govern. The lines are really blurred when it comes to these funds and even the normal federal employees subject to hundreds of regulations concerning ethics. Happy clearly, the possible indictment of a former president is wildly unique and unprecedented. However, if there's clear evidence of a crime, shouldn't Trump be subject to the same rules as the rest of us, even if it's a misdemeanor stuff? Jimmy Carter couldn't keep his peanut farm, but we're cool with Trump paying his mistress with campaign funds. Again, I know, I know, and I'm not making excuses here. I just think there are matters of degree, um, matters of degree, and, uh, well, I've said, i said what I think about this. Happy look at the impeachment. It was all based on lies. Look at the different prosecutors of pro-life and pro-choice people calling parents at school board meetings terrorists. We definitely have a two-tiered justice system. Well, I, I, that's, that's a generalization. I would not, I would not, um, I would not say that. I, I would say the best argument for a two-tiered justice system is that if you have, and I think our justice system works pretty well in this country, pretty well, pretty well, because you have this very important presumption of innocence. You have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt, beyond a reasonable doubt, one juror can hang a jury or force it to, you know, into acquittal. So it's, uh, it's a pretty high bar, frankly, to get, to get a conviction. Um, but... It's also, I think, pretty clear that if you have a lot of money, a lot of money, that you can afford a better defense. To me, that's not the wealthy have a defense and those who aren't wealthy have no defense. I think that if you are wealthy, you can afford a better defense. But again, defendants have a, a lot of advantages, a lot of advantages. Uh, in the criminal justice system in this country. Thank goodness. Happy, please say it out loud, witch hunt. Well, I can say that if you're happy to say that. I, it's, a, it's a, again, a pejorative term, and we, we so often are, we want to relegate things to 
words that incite. And I'm not interested in inciting in this. I just, I am just stating what I think is the case, and that is that with what we know, this is very weak sauce that uh, with what we know should not rise to the level of a criminal indictment against a former president of the United States. People know that he paid off Stormy Daniels. People know he had an affair with Stormy Daniels. You could probably figure that it came from campaign funds, given how Trump's handled his finances. So Trump's running for president. Make a judgment. You as the voter, make a judgment as to whether you want to vote for him for president, knowing what you already know. And a misdemeanor charge against him, or even if they come up with a felony charge, I don't think it's not going to change anybody's mind. I mean, all of this stuff about Trump is pretty much baked in on that kind of stuff. Now, I think, if he, I think if he gets indicted for uh, trying to uh, sway the election in Georgia, trying to find votes, I, I think that rises to a much higher level, frankly. Hoppy, a misdemeanor indictment based on testimony from a felon convicted of lying to Congress five years after the statute of limitations expired really sounds like the walls are closing in now. Well, what's going to happen is that a third of the people... I'll make a wild generalization. A third of the people are going to go, good, get Trump on whatever you can, doesn't matter what it is, just continue to throw down the legal gauntlet until you get something, until something sticks. A third are going to say, I don't know about that. I mean, I, that seems, uh, you know, it's a rule of law, and I guess, you know, but geez, that, that doesn't seem, if the indictment comes out to be what, what uh, we believe it to be, like, that, that, Jeez, okay. And a third are going to be, I told you the witch hunt goes on in this country against Donald Trump. Hoppy isn't using campaign funds for anything other than electioneering a felony. But I, from what I've read, it's going to be on how the, well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see if there's indictment. We'll see what the specific charge is, if there is a charge, and we'll go from there. All right, Talk Line continues. We'll be right back. We are there for you, to care for you at the health plan. We are here for you. At the health plan, we are here for you. And that means something. It means we're headquartered right here in West Virginia, providing exceptional health coverage, local customer service, and putting your family first when it matters most. The health plan, we are here for you. When kids are small, we tend to spend most of our time saying no instead of yes. As our parents and grandparents age, we sometimes say no to visits instead of yes. Life can be overwhelming and sometimes it's nice to say yes to making memories and starting a future. The West Virginia Lottery has provided more than $11.9 billion in proceeds for education, seniors, veterans, and tourism. When you play, you say yes to West Virginia. Please play responsibly. At Encova Insurance, we're committed to leaving a lasting impression in all communities we serve. We support local causes that mirror the values and interests of our associates, agents, and policyholders. We partner with organizations that are dedicated to improving lives. We are committed to building something greater than ourselves. Encircling our communities with strength and support, we are Encova Insurance. Learn more at Encova.com. You're listening to Talkline on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. 
this morning. The biggest stories from around the state of West Virginia. When you want them. Brought to you by Burdett Camping Center. Chris Lawrence at the Anchor Desk. We're ready to get your day started in West Virginia with all the information you need. Carrie Hudasek brings you the day's headlines. The number of weekend fires in Huntington are now under investigation. The latest fire happened at two abandoned homes just after two this morning in the 300 block of Richmond Street in the Guyandot area. Another abandoned home went up in flames on West 5th Avenue on Saturday night. No one was hurt in either of those fires this weekend. Kyle Wiggs at the sports desk. Three of the four boys basketball state champions repeated Morgantown back-to-back in quad A. Fairmont seniors won back-to-back titles in triple A. Single A, James Monroe won again. The only new champion for 2023 double A, Chapmanville. And Hoppy Kerchival's daily commentary. Metro News this morning. Brought to you by Burdett Camping Center. Listen where you get your favorite podcasts and online at wvmetronews.com. Weekdays at 3 on Hotline, we talk about what you're talking about in sports, popular culture, tech, and more. We pepper our daily lineup with renowned local and national guests with authoritative perspectives on a wide variety of topics from high school sports to Hollywood and the financial markets. Every day, Coop and I have irreverent discussions with you using texts and tweets, plus our exclusive content like the question of the day in or out in Beer Friday. Metro News Hotline, weekdays on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. What you need to know today is just a click away. WVMetroNews.com has the latest statewide news stories from the capital city to your hometown. Follow your favorite sports teams from high school to the pros. Hunting and fishing information is always on the outdoors page. And never miss your favorite Metro News program with live streams and archived episodes. Wherever you are in the mountain state, the information you need is at WVMetroNews.com. Metro News Talk Line with Hoppy Kerchival is brought to you by Encova Insurance. Encircling you with coverage to protect what you care about most. Visit Encova.com to learn more. Talk Line on Metro News rolls on. Let me bring in Joe Bricado, Metro News Sports. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Hoppy. From the state tournament, uh, the championship Saturday, let, let me start with the quad A where Morgantown defeated Parkersburg South in a uh, hard-fought game. Morgantown repeats, and again, they beat, beat the team they beat last year, Parkersburg South. Right after the game, the coach of Parkersburg South, Mike Fallon, was very upset. Uh, he was upset with uh, Morgantown, Morgantown's coach Dave Tallman. Uh, maybe some words were exchanged. What do you have on that? Yeah, and there were some words exchanged, particularly late in the game, and obviously that's not something you usually see. But uh, and then immediately after the game, uh, there was no post-game handshake between the head coaches. You always have that kind of awkward uh, moment because you have the team jumping around and celebrating, and the other, and the team that didn't win is kind of waiting around, and sometimes the waiting is a little bit longer than usual, and uh, there was no post-game handshake between the two head coaches. However, the players and many assistant coaches did. Uh, and it continued on in the uh, post-game radio interview with Jeff Jenkins when Coach Fallon, uh, unprompted, kind of went into a, a, a comment about uh, Morgantown's recruiting budget. That was the uh, term that he used, and the, he repeated that uh, about 10 minutes after in the post-game press conference um, in reference to uh, one particular player from Morgantown who transferred to university and came back to Morgantown for a senior year. 
uh, you know, you, you hear coaches sometimes reference recruiting, but usually it's never directed at one particular player, even though he didn't name him by name. Everybody knows who he was referring to. So does that, is that just, and again, it's very, it was a tough game. It was very emotional. Afterwards, people say things. Is that it? Or does that rise to the level that the SSAC will do something or does something, or is that just it? And everybody should calm down. I think it probably ends there. However, I wouldn't be surprised if the SSAC, you know, maybe looks into what was said in uh, Metro News' radio interview after the game and the post-game press conference. Uh, having said that, you know, Dave Palmer, to his credit, took the high road, said he has a great deal of respect for Coach Fallon, called him, you know, mentioned him by name specifically, and all the uh, Parkersburg South players as well. I think it probably ends there. Uh, but the next time they do play in, in their conference matchup uh, this coming winter, has a little more juice to it. Yeah, uh, put that down. Mark that on your calendar for covering Absolutely. that game. I know you'll be there. All right, uh, quickly, let's talk about these other classes. James Monroe repeats his class, class single-A champions. They beat Tucker County 66-35. James Monroe, awfully good this year. It carried right through Charleston. Yeah, no question about it. And uh, they dominated most of the Class A teams that they played this year. Their two losses were to upper-class teams uh, in Beckley and in Shady Spring. And I'd love to see if you could have a, a tournament of champions and take all four champions and say, hey, here's the Final Four, go play a tournament. Mm -hmm. I think James Monroe could certainly hang with the best teams in the state. They are that good. They are one of the better Class A state champions that we've seen in quite a while. All right. And in double in uh, double A. Uh, Chapmanville? Yep, Chapmanville. A team that played a very, very difficult schedule throughout the year, both in-state and out-of-state, and a team that had uh, a couple of tremendous uh, scores. And Sal Dean and Zion Blevins both played fantastic throughout the tournament. Uh, they've also got uh, Brody Dalton, who's a future WV baseball player. He played particularly well. He probably had the line of the uh, post-game press conference when uh, he was asked about cutting down the net. He said, well, I was kind of afraid of heights at first, but he got comfortable with it afterwards. <laughs> but uh, Chapmanville wins a very deserving champion in Class uh, AA over a very good Charleston Catholic team. And in AAA, uh, that whole week, everybody was talking about Shady Spring, how good Shady Spring was. And Shady Spring was very good, but they get knocked off by, uh, by the Polar Bears of uh, Fairmont Senior. You should never underestimate Dave Retton and yep. his coaching staff and that Fairmont Senior program. But to be honest, I covered the game when they met in the regular season when Shady Spring won by 20 points. And I was going into that game wondering, you know, how can Fairmont Senior you know, possibly flip the script from that first game? The pace was much slower. It was more deliberate. Deshaun Good played fantastic in the middle for the Polar Bears. And they got a lot of great contributions out of a lot of their role players that got better throughout the course of the season. So um, it was surprising in the sense that Shady Spring won the first game by 20. But uh, considering the opponent that they were playing and uh, how good of a coach Dave Retton is now with his fourth championship since 2016, uh, that's a polar bear program that uh, can be very proud of the effort they put forth. Joe, I'm going to talk more about this next issue when Brad Howe is on later. But Don Plitzelwhite, who uh, completes one year as the WVU women's basketball coach, has success, gets to the NCAA tournament. The players are on their way back from that loss, and they hear on they see on Twitter that Plitzelwhite is leaving, going to Minnesota. That was a shocker. Yeah. The, the, the timing of it is indeed puzzling, and so far nothing from Coach Plitzelwhite on her uh, Twitter, any social media, you know, thanking the WVU players. Perhaps she's done that personally, but um, there hasn't been any announcement on her end uh, to say, you know, thank WVU for the for the year. Uh, Ren Baker and I just arrived at the WVU football facility. Uh, Athletic Director Ren Baker is supposed to have a press conference to discuss this issue. 
following Neil Brown's pre-spring press conference. So we'll have uh, more on that later at the later in the day at the website. All right, Joe Bacato, Metro News Sports. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Abby. All right, talk line continues. We'll be right back. We are there for you to care for you at the health plan. We are here for you. At the Health Plan, we are here for you, and we have been one of the most trusted carriers for over 40 years. Headquartered right here in West Virginia, providing exceptional health coverage and local customer service. The Health Plan, we are here for you. With the passing of the bomb cyclone during Christmas, there were widespread electric outages across the country and repeated calls from power companies to conserve energy. Energy regulators have been warning grid operators and the Biden administration that we're removing too much coal and base load generation from our nation's power grid. Fortunately, here in West Virginia, with our vast coal reserves and eight modern coal-fired power plants, we enjoy the most secure and safe electric system that exists anywhere in the world. Unlike other places that rely on higher percentage of renewables and expensive natural gas. West Virginians can rest in the comfort of our warm homes as our iPhones, computers, and even electric vehicles remain fully charged. West Virginia Coal has been called upon time and time again to respond to national crisis. Looking forward, if our surrounding states experience rolling blackouts or power shortages, West Virginia will be on standby to send emergency rations of coal by wire to keep them warm and safe. Thank goodness for West Virginia Coal. This message brought to you by the Friends of Coal. This is Talk Line on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. West Virginia Outdoors is the Mountain State's only hook and bullet radio show dedicated to the more than quarter million hunters and anglers across the state. Award-winning host Chris Lawrence has been tracking down hunting and fishing stories for more than 25 years. Fun fact about groundhogs that not a lot of people know is they actually go through hepatitis B, much like humans do. So they've actually been used as a role model for how hepatitis progresses through humans. Don't even act like you knew that. Whether it's hunting and fishing news or just compelling stories about the enjoyment of the great outdoors he brought the dogs in the next day that dog as soon as it got out of the side side it hit the nose on the ground it pulled us it took us straight through that deer show point got a point you got that one west virginia outdoors covers it all saturday mornings at 706 a.m and for your daily fix outdoors today brings you two and a half minutes of news and notes from the woods and water every weekday morning on metro news the voice of west virginia Your source for news in the Mountain State is Metro News. Weekday mornings, start your day with the morning news. Three hours of the biggest stories across West Virginia, along with sports, weather, and more. Stay updated throughout the day with reports at half past each hour. And find all the info you need on your schedule at wvmetronews.com. The news you want from the name you trust. Metro News, for 36 years, the voice of West Virginia. Hi, this is Travis Jones. Join me and Coach Greg Hunter every Sunday night from 6.06 until 8 o'clock on the Metro News Radio Network for the CityNet Sunday Night Statewide Sports Line. We'll wrap up the week in sports in the Mountain State, talk about the Mountaineers, high school, and the Mountain East Conference. Plus, you can join the conversation on our toll-free line or on our text line at 304-TALK-304. Join us every Sunday night from 6.06 until 8 p.m. on Metro News. It's the CityNet Sunday Night Statewide Sports Line.
Talk line on Metro News. Welcome back. Text 304-TALK-304. Hoppy, if you or I were running for public office and contributed campaign money to a professional escort, I don't think we would be beyond the law. Trump was not the president when the impropriety went down. He should be charged just like any of us would be. And again, no one's above the law. I understand that. But if you're going to indict a former president of the United States, of course, it's going to be seen through a political lens. It's going to be viewed through a political lens. So whatever you have, you better have something good. You better have something that even those who support the president, former president or believe in him will look at and go, well, that's, that's a pretty serious matter, and uh, we, can't let that, we can't let that go. And if the charge is what we're led to believe, that, that really doesn't rise to that level. Okay. Text 304, wow, ton of texts. Hobby Michael Cohen had to go to jail for this. Yeah, it's a lower level, but there, there it is. It was the law, and he broke it. And Cohen, I read Cohen's book, and I think Cohen knows where all the bodies are buried, and I believe what Cohen is saying, but he is a convicted liar to Congress, and when you get on, if you start testifying, that is, then he is vulnerable. Back in six minutes, this is Talk Line on Metro News. Metro News is the voice of West Virginia. Welcome back. Our number two talk line on the Metro News Radio Network all across the great state of West Virginia. Last August, there was a, a civil rights lawsuit filed in federal court alleging multiple violations at the Southern Regional Jail in Beckley. There were allegations of inhumane treatment of inmates, overcrowding, unsanitary conditions, limited access to basic necessities. There have been a couple of deaths that have occurred there. I think the FBI is also investigating. An attorney for the plaintiffs in this case is Steve New, and he joins us on Metro News Talk Line. Steve, good to talk to you again. How are you? Great to talk to you, Hoppy. How are you? I'm well, thank you. So uh, you met the press a little bit earlier today, and you have new information on this case. What do you have? Yes, I am asking United States Attorney for the Southern District, Will Thompson, to expand the scope of his office's civil rights investigation into the Southern Regional Jail to include uh, a report that we got recently that uh, members of the Department of Homeland Security and DOCR bribed inmates during the investigation last year with favorable treatment in order to give statements that these deplorable conditions being reported by guards and in the media did not exist. Steve, that's a very serious allegation. What is that based on? What do you have? Affidavits from the inmates who were bribed. Can we believe the inmates? I can. Can you give a specific, tell me something, don't give me a name of somebody who, who is alleged to have bribed, but put a, put a face on this, as I like to say. 
we're going to include that in the litigation, Hoppy, but very high members of both of those government agencies were directly involved with the interviews and the resulting bribery of the inmates for favorable treatment in exchange for statements that would verify the DHS sham investigation that all of this was just being made up by families uh, and media sensationalism. Steve New is with his attorney for the plaintiffs who filed suit over conditions at the Southern Regional Jail in Beckley. So you have, how many affidavits do you have? Three. You have three affidavits from inmates who will test, will they testify and say uh, somebody with corrections bribed me to lie? Yes. What does all that mean? How does that affect all this, if that's so? What that means is that the DHS investigation into these problems last year uh, was, as we say it was in the lawsuit, a total sham. Officers, correctional officers, guards started coming forward in October of 21, Hoppy, and they started reporting this through their chain of command. Now, we represent some five or six correctional officers. One has a hearing with DHS tomorrow about his suspension and discipline. In my office, my law partner, Amanda Taylor, will represent him. But what those inmates are telling us about the bribery from the people high up in DHS and DOCR is consistent with what we knew at the time that DHS released its findings uh, that this was all media sensationalism and made up by the families. The The reports from the guards had started months before and the pictures and the video that we have that were attached to lawsuits started months before, and nothing, nothing's been fixed. This is a, a problem in West Virginia's jails two and a half decades in the making. So you're saying that the affidavits by the three prisoners corroborate what you already knew or suspected from jail guards and what they had said? Yes. Not the bribery part, though, but about conditions. Right, and then the, with it, but the DHS said those conditions and those problems don't exist here. Just look at the false affidavit of inmate so-and-so. Will, will you have an issue with this because, and don't take this the wrong way, is that what's, been, what's also been sort of... Uh, chattered what the chatter has been is well these are inmates they're coached they know what to say and there's a credibility issue here no if if the only thing we had hoppy was the inmates i i might might agree with some of that but when we have picture and video proof and multiple correction officers coming forth to corroborate what the inmates say, I don't have any problems whatsoever with someone questioning the integrity or the credibility of the inmate. And you want uh, Will Thompson, U.S. Attorney, Southern District, you want him to investigate these allegations that there were, did you, did you say prison guards, prison guards, or who, I mean, uh, you won't, don't give me a name, but, but who or how many are alleged to have tried to bribe the inmates? Two. Two. Yes. 
two prison guards? No. The higher-ups, there were two higher-ups bribing inmates and guards for favorable reports. Okay, so you're you're alleging, through the affidavits of the prisoners, that were two higher-ups at the at the regional jail yes at the regional jail who were bribing or trying to bribe inmates to lie for them yes what were the lies did they tell these lies or what were these lies supposed to be they were supposed to be that the the awful conditions which had been reported by guards did not exist that in other words the inmates had access to clean water, had access to showers, that their cells were clean, that they had uh, multiple uh, uniforms to wear, that they had access to laundry, that they had uh, quality access to quality medical care, and that anyone saying anything differently, like these family members uh, or the reports that were starting to come out in the local media, were false. Steve News with his attorney for uh, plaintiffs at the Southern Regional Jail. So in summary, and I'll say it and you clarify. So in summary, you have asked the U.S. attorney in the Southern District to look into allegations based on affidavits you have from three inmates at the Southern Regional Jail that hi- that two higher-ups at the jail uh, bribed or attempted to bribe inmates to lie about conditions at the jail. Was that an accurate summary? What would you add or take away? That's an accurate summary, and that's obviously the focus this week. But uh, in in your intro, Hoppy, I don't want to downplay the deaths. There have been more than just a couple of deaths. We represent the family of a young lady named Kimberly Gilly, who was ripped apart uh, by other inmates, a female gang looking for drugs. Her case will be filed soon. We represent a gentleman from Wyoming County by the name of Alvis Shrewsbury, who turned himself in on a driving on a suspended license for DUI, who was starved, dehydrated, beaten, uh, and the medical from Wexford Medical laughed at him and told him there was nothing wrong with him and gave him Pepto-Bismol. The Southern Regional Jail is equipped to hold 411, or I'm sorry, 488 prisoners. It holds 711. There's $250 million of deferred maintenance in West Virginia's jails around the state. Senator Roland Roberts attempted to get that put in the budget this year. That fell on deaf ears. And, of course, as you know, covering the legislature, the CO pay raise bill failed as well. This is a systemic problem, and I read on Metro News last week that the current commissioner says it's hour by hour. There's $30 million of broken locks in West Virginia's jails. Uh, this needs fixed, and it's, it's either going to be fixed by legislation or it's going to be fixed by litigation. Steve News with his attorney uh, representing uh uh, individuals at the uh, Southern Regional Jail. Let me ask you about something else while I have you here because I see that you are representing Alabama basketball player Kai. Is it Kai? Is that how you say it? Kai Spears? 
Kai Spears. Kai Spears. Okay, Kai Spears on the Alabama basketball team. He's a walk-on. He's the son of Marshall Athletic Director Christian Spears. The New York Times ran a story a couple days ago, and they said that he, that Kai Spears, was on the scene, was on the scene of that January murder where uh, Jamia Harris was killed and a former Alabama player, Darius Miles and uh, Michael Davis, allegedly shot at a car that she was riding in near the University of Alabama's uh, campus. Uh, Spears' father, Christian Spears, said the story's inaccurate, uh, demanded a retraction, and also the University of Alabama came out and said it was inaccurate. Uh, you are representing Kai Spears. What do you have on this? That was one of the worst pieces of irresponsible journalism that I have ever seen, Hobby. The story, which ran in the New York Times, the day before the tournament started, all for clicks and sensationalism and everything else, is, as I said in my press release last week, demonstrably false. We have proof in the form of an alibi that places Kai Spears back at Bryant Hall at the time of the incident in question. Also, the chief of police has cleared Kai Spears and will be a witness in the case. So if this New York Times reporter had done his due diligence or had just waited until he could FOIA the the police report, he would have found that out. But that wasn't good enough. He had to go forward the day before the tournament starts, Alabama, number one seed, and accuse this young man of being present on the scene uh, where a lady lost her life. So, so, so Kai Spears was definitively, unequivocally not at the scene. Correct. Definitively, unequivocally not at the scene. He was at Bryant Hall with others at the time of the incident. Yeah. Was he was he connected in any way tangentially, like with any of those people earlier or riding around in the car or have any connection whatsoever to events that took place? This is my understanding, Hoppy, that the basketball team did go out after the victory against LSU. So my understanding is many members – or all members of the Alabama basketball team went out on the strip in Tuscaloosa after the basketball game. Uh, Kai may have been with other members of the basketball team earlier in the evening. The important thing to note was he was already back in his dorm, the student-athlete dorm, at the time of the incident. All right. We got it. Steve New, attorney for Kai Spears, attorney for plaintiffs at Southern Regional Jail. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me on, Hoppy. All right. When we come back on Metro News Talkline, Brad McElhinney, Governor Justice, has accepted the resignation of Jan Cahill, superintendent of the West Virginia State Police. Justice made that announcement this morning. He's going to address the media at 1 o'clock this afternoon and will announce an interim superintendent. This is linked to the investigation into by um, Homeland Security and by the governor's office into allegations of wrongdoing at the higher levels of the West Virginia State Police. So can, uh, Jan Cahill has resigned, according to Governor Jim Justice. 
as head of the West Virginia State Police. Brad McElhinney on that when TalkLine continues. At Encova Insurance, we encircle you with insurance solutions you can trust. We provide coverage to protect what you care about. Business insurance, including workers' compensation, auto, home, and life insurance. What makes us unique? Our superior financial strength, smart technology, a one-stop shop for custom-tailored solutions. Encova 360, our approach to workers' compensation and local decision-making. We are Encova Insurance. Visit Encova.com for more information. You know, as West Virginians, we are proud of the natural beauty of a mountain state. And at Zeomilm Architects and Engineers, our goal is to provide design solutions that give people the same pride in our built environment. That commitment to quality can be seen in higher education facilities throughout the state, from the Irma Bird Center in Beaver to the Southern West Virginia Community and Technical College Applied Technology Center and at the new testing center for the West Virginia School of Osteopathic Medicine in Lewisburg. Zeomilm Architects and Engineers, you see us in your community every day. You're listening to TalkLine on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. Metro News this morning, the biggest stories from around the state of West Virginia. When you want them. Brought to you by Burdett Camping Center. Chris Lawrence at the Anchor Desk. We're ready to get your day started in West Virginia with all the information you need. Carrie Hudasek brings you the day's headlines. A number of weekend fires in Huntington are now under investigation. The latest fire happened at two abandoned homes just after two this morning in the 300 block of Richmond Street in the Guyandot area. Another abandoned home went up in flames on West 5th Avenue on Saturday night night. No one was hurt in either of those fires this weekend. Kyle Wiggs at the sports desk. Three of the four boys basketball state champions repeated Morgantown back-to-back in quad A. Fairmont seniors won back-to-back titles in triple A. Single A, James Monroe won again. The only new champion for 2023 double A, Chapmanville. And Hoppy Kerchival's daily commentary. Metro News this morning brought to you by Burdett Camping Center. Listen where you get your favorite podcasts and online at wvmetronews.com. Weekday at three on hotline we talk about what you're talking about in sports popular culture tech and more we pepper our daily lineup with renowned local and national guests with authoritative perspectives on a wide variety of topics from high school sports to hollywood and the financial markets every day coop and i have irreverent discussions with you using texts and tweets plus our exclusive content like the question of the day in or out in beer friday metro news hotline weekdays on metro news the voice of west virginia what you need to know today is just a click away. WVMetroNews.com has the latest statewide news stories from the capital city to your hometown. Follow your favorite sports teams from high school to the pros. Hunting and fishing information is always on the outdoors page. And never miss your favorite Metro News program with live streams and archived episodes. Wherever you are in the mountain state, the information you need is at WVMetroNews.com. Metro News Talk Line with Hoppy Kerchival is brought to you by Encova Insurance. Encircling you with coverage to protect what you care about most. Visit Encova.com to learn more. Talk Line from the Encova Insurance Studios. Uh, breaking news concerning the investigation by the administration into allegations of uh, wrongdoing, misbehavior, etc., etc. at the West Virginia State Police. Brad McElhinney joins us. Brad, what do we have? Hey. Well, the governor is going to explain more about what we have at 1 p.m., but the bottom line is the administration says that at 9.30 a.m. today, 
a longtime state police superintendent, Jane Cahill, resigned. And that appears to be related broadly to this investigation of the state police that the governor has acknowledged. Uh, last week, the governor did strongly hint that, that it might not turn out well for Cahill. Uh, we should specify that what we know of these allegations and of this investigation Nothing specifically indicated wrongdoing by Jan Cahill, but the bottom line is he was the guy in charge of this agency that has been under investigation for a variety of claims. Brad, the allegations concerning, I have trouble coming up with a word to describe what what is alleged to have occurred at the state police at higher levels, again, uh, above the trooper level and, and below the Cahill level. But uh, financial wrongdoing, trysts that have taken place, there's nothing you know, uh, illegal about that. But some of this behavior certainly unbecoming, uh, if it's true, of, uh, of state police at higher levels. But w- what do we know and don't know? I mean, still, th- there's, it's, it's weird the way this story has been rolling out because here's Cahill's out, but there's no real explanation yet. Maybe we'll learn more, learn more at one o'clock. Yeah, it's a bit uh, cart before the horse. The, the the leader of the state police resigned, so that's different from a firing. But resigned apparently under pressure, but we don't know publicly the, the specific reasons, and and so that is still to come. But the governor's explanation of his one p.m. press conference is that he will further acknowledge Jane Cahill's resignation, will name an interim superintendent. And we'll describe more of what is to come on this investigation. But it's, it's sort of hard to describe why the state police superintendent would have resigned without being able to describe more specifically what these allegations are. I will say that Justice and Cahill have been tight over the years. Cahill, prior to this, had been sheriff in Greenbrier County, where Governor Justice has long made his home. And Cahill has been with the administration since its beginning in 2017, now the better part of two terms. Cahill, and and I I know Cahill, I've talked to him a number of times, had him on this show, and uh, I've been corresponding with him. And he has uh, said he's willing to come on talk line and is anxious to come on talk line and respond to allegations And I said, I don't think I'm violating any trust here. I said, I would certainly be willing to interview you, but I would want to wait until the allegations are public because then, you know, then you have something publicly to respond to. If you come on now, what are you you responding to exactly? Because all that's out there is a lot of speculation, uh, uh, you know, some rumor and innuendo, um, just a lot of stuff. So the invitation still stands. I don't know how this changes things, but I, I know that in corresponding with Cahill, he feels like that he's a bit of a scapegoat in all this uh, and uh, that that he's being treated unfairly uh, by, uh, to some degree, the media and, uh, to, and perhaps by the administration as well. Uh, so... I don't know. I, I feel, again, Brad, you know, I feel like in this story, it's, it's all been backward. It's like the pyramid's been upside down on this story as far as the public, as far as the public trying to trying to learn what's going on, what's going on here. Uh, so the governor's announcement says that an aspect of what he intends to talk about at one is the announcement of additional actions that will be taken moving forward. 
doesn't really say what that is, but it, it may remove some of the layer of, of what is going on with the state police. Uh, you know, the other thing I would say is you, you have a great history of uh, interviewing people who have resigned under pressure or departed ways. Think of Shane Lyons. If you could just do the Shane Lyons interview again, though with Jane Cahill this time, uh, it will it will tell us more than, than what we knew before. Well, I, I'll be happy to do that. And Cahill knows that he has an invitation. And at last check, he was willing to come on. But again, Brad, I, I have to know what with uh, with Shane Lyons, we knew a, a lot. Uh, all I know is what has been in the anonymous letters and the inv- which triggered the investigation by the Justice Administration, by Department of Homeland Security. So I don't know what which of those allegations are true, <laughs> right? right? So yeah, I mean it's you know it's it's hard to stay with an administration, particularly for eight years, but the governor does have a history of parting ways. Uh, with Woody Thrasher, who was the Commerce Secretary, with Tom Smith, who was the Transportation Secretary. Uh, those were both, you know, under very difficult and strained circumstances. And now you've got Jane Cahill, who I, I really think Governor Justice regarded as a close personal friend going back years. And Cahill was in this role, superintendent, from 2017 until the present, which is a long time to occupy uh a job that that you know can be controversial. It's a big agency, yeah. and and things can go wrong. And he held it for for from 2017 until 9:30 this morning. Thank you, Brad McElhinney. And I just texted uh, Jan Cahill, private citizen, to invite him to come on tomorrow. This is Talk Line on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. It's 11:30. Let's get a news update. Check in with the Metro News Radio Network. Find out what's happening statewide this hour, all across the great state of West Virginia. West Virginia Metro News. I'm Chris Lawrence. New funding coming to WVU following the regular legislative session. WVU officials are pleased with this legislative session, especially recognizing the $560 million worth of deferred maintenance across corrections and higher education facilities. Travis Mulholland is the Director of Government Relations. What the legislature did is put 50% of that total amount into the governor's civil contingency fund to provide grants to corrections into higher ed for these projects. Mulholland says they'll actively compete for those grants. I'm Mike Nolting for WVMetroNews.com. UMWA says the results of a recent study by the University of Chicago confirms what they've been saying all along about upward trends of black lung uh, among younger minors. The study looked at medical records of minors dating back to the 70s, finding a dip in the 80s, but then a sharp rise in recent years. UMWA Health Safety Administrator Josh Roberts said they believe that's a result of improved technology to mine seams of coal tightly bound to rock. You're seeing for multiple reasons. Number one, uh, increase in silica because, you know, miners nowadays are mining seams of coal that were uh, probably unminable, you know, many years ago. Uh, there's more rock in it. And- UMWA President Cecil Roberts also claimed he testified before Congress about the increased silica exposure in 2019, but very little was done. You're listening to Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. When you hear 15 minutes could save you 15% on your car insurance, what comes to mind? Now, we won't name the company, but you know who they are. Why? Well, they've been hammering that phrase into your consciousness forever. They know that if they want your business, you need to know about them before you need them. So what are you doing so people know about your business before they need you? 
Radio creates top of mind awareness. And when people are searching your products or services online, do you appear on the first page of the results? Showing up on page one of search is crucial for getting up to bat. Well, the WBRC media team keeps up with the changing search algorithms, clearing the online path to your website. So customers find you when they need you. When you combine a solid radio awareness campaign with web optimization, you'll get far more hits and home runs. Call or contact us at WVRCmedia.com to start the conversation. We are WVRC Media. We're proud to live here, too. The search for a missing Wood County woman goes on. More than 170 volunteers turned out Saturday to look for 28-year-old Gretchen Fleming, who hasn't been seen since she left a Parkersburg bar in December. A busy weekend for the Huntington Fire Department, dealing with fires and abandoned structures in the city. Two burned this morning in the Guyandock community. An empty commercial building caught fire mid-morning Sunday and will have to be torn down after it partially collapsed. And an empty house in another part of the city burned on Saturday. Nobody heard and all looked suspicious. From the Metro News Anchor Desk, I'm Chris Lawrence. Talk line on Metro News from the COVID Insurance Studios. The updated Omicron COVID-19 shots are based on the original virus and more recent strains. Stay protected and find out if you and those you care about are due for an updated shot. Those who are ages six months and older are eligible. Use the COVID-19 vaccination due date calculator at vaccinate.wv.gov or call 1-833-734-0965. Again, that's vaccinate.wv.gov or call 1-833-734-0965. 7340965. Paul, thanks for waiting. I appreciate it. What do you got for us, Paul? Well, this morning, thank you, Hoppy. Uh, this morning in your first segment, you made two declarative statements which were a contradiction to each other, so I was hoping to get some clarity. Your first one was that you believed everyone was innocent until proven guilty, which I totally agree with. The second was you stated unequivocally that we all knew President Trump had had an affair with Stormy Daniels. Now, I don't know that, and so I was wondering what information you had that we don't to, to make that, that statement. Because so you think he didn't? I do not know, and I believe your turn, what you said was he is presumed to be innocent until proven guilty holds. Okay, okay. I I'll, all right. you I'll, can I'll, have it both ways. I'll, I'll differentiate. In a, in a legal sense, of course you are innocent until proven guilty. In, a, in, in the, the Stormy Daniels thing, it's, it's not a legal judgment. It's a judgment based on the information you've seen. You're not, you're not sending somebody to jail for that. You're just making like, do you think that's true? Yeah, I think that's true, based on what yeah, I've read and seen. How do you seen. know she wasn't just shaking him down right before the election? Oh, I guess it's possible. It okay, is look, possible. Well, so to make a declarative statement, we all knew no, 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 I, I, no, I, I, I believe your bias is showing. Well, I... Okay, I, am I biased against Trump? Yes, yes, Thank I you. am because I th- be, yes, of course I am because of how he conducted himself after the election and because of January sixth. So yes, I have a bias well, against Donald Trump. As a former counterintelligence officer, 
have you ever investigated some of the real like data, the information from January 6th about those three buses of hoodlums that were let in and ushered into the Capitol before anybody from the White House crowd got there? No. I mean, how much have you really dug, no. or do you take the party line and then argue it? It's not a party line. It's a review of the evidence that's out there. Are, are we going to really, are we going to re-adjudicate based on Tucker Carlson, what happened on January 6th. Is that what no, we're going to do? No, I'm, I'm going by things that I have witnessed through the whole time. And just because it happened a year ago or two years ago, somebody stole your horse two years ago and you saw it tied up at the, uh, you know, downtown, and you said, hey, there's my horse. And somebody says, are you going to bring that up again? That happened two years ago. doesn't mean that the horse hadn't been stolen. I, 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 that's counterintuitive logic. Is what it is. I mean, look. I, I, here's the thing: is you want to if you want to weigh in on on the the allegation that the, the indictment that may be coming forward on Trump, that's fine. I see no point in you and I relitigating January 6th. I see no new evidence. I don't see anything different than I saw than I've seen for the last couple of years on that. So there, I, well, I don't sir, see any one point. One has in, to look though. You can't just take what's handed to you on a silver platter. <laughs> one has to go outside, color outside the lines to find the truth these days. And I'm sorry it is that way, but that is the way it is. And where you know, we could debate that, but well, okay, all right. Well, you know, the winners write the rules. The people who own the media have the most to lose from an awakened American public, so they want to make sure that okay. their narrative is the one that everybody says is the truth, whether there's fact to it or not. Well, there, but, but, it, but see, but there is fact. There is fact across the political spectrum as to what happened on the 6th. No, I mean, it exists. I mean, the fact is that there's lots of information that shows that there were Asian provocateurs within that crowd. I'm not disagreeing that a bunch of fools got sucked into it, but I was trained to do that in the military. It's called counterintelligence. It's like, it's like social Tai Chi. You, that's why they have the National Alliance or the Black Panthers. Our government funds some of those radical groups simply so they can stir some trouble up when they need to put a foot down somewhere. Well, that, that to, to me, that, share some that, of this that, that to me falls under the category of conspiracy theories that may that may be reinforced by just a little modicum of just enough just enough to make you think that it's true and I just don't believe it is. I just don't well, believe it is. You're entitled Unless to that, I sir. Well, I mean but, but I I I'm entitled to that because that's what the facts that we know show. That's why I'm entitled because that's what the facts we know well, what show. What about the facts I know? I mean, can you address well, those three busloads of, of people dressed in body armor well, that were unloaded at the Capitol? No, because because I still. because I am not interested in spending time chasing down wild conspiracy theories. Well, no, I'm going to read the Washington Times. I'm going to read the Washington Examiner. I'm going to read the New York Times. I'm going to look at all respectable media and make my judgments on that. I'm not going to go by some crazed theory that's out there about what happened. You know, well, if you want to look, if you want to, oh, wait, wait, if you, and if you want to do that's fine. I mean, you can do, you can do that. You can do that. Uh, I'm not, to me, that's a waste of time unless I saw something that was definitive. And I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen anything. And Tucker Carlson is trying his best to show, oh, it's just a walk in the park. And it just wasn't that. We all saw it. We all saw it. Would you agree that there are times where our government on the federal level has flat out lied to us about what has happened in the world and why? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, if that happens, 
then should not the media particularly have a jaundiced eye toward anything that is presented to us as a fait accompli until all of the shadows have been looked well, at? Well, well two, two points. Okay, two points about that. Two points about that. The first point is this, by making that connection, has the government lied before? Yes. So how do you know they're not lying this time? Okay, so that, that is a, that's a real leap. And second of all, this January 6th has been looked at six ways from Sunday. Six ways from Sunday. Are you talking about the congressional thing? The, the, I'm, the talking, I'm, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about everything from the congressional investigation to media reports to everything that's out there. To, 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 to the fact that 60-plus that individuals, uh, I mean, to the number of individuals who've been, who've charges have been brought against them and have been adjudicated in court where you can present testimony on behalf of them. And it just, it just doesn't, this idea that there's some sort of nefarious thing that went on to, that, that, that we don't know about just doesn't hold up. It just doesn't. It doesn't hold up to evidence. Now, you as a counterintelligence person can look at it and say, well, but, you know, there's this thing way out here and this could be possible. Okay, you can believe that. But, the, but what we know, what we know simply doesn't back that up. It just doesn't. Well, do you dis okay, so let me ask you this, because I, with my own lying eyes, seen the film footage of those three buses pulling up and disgorging 20 to 30-something-year-old young men in combat gear with face masks and such on, and we're being led right into the Capitol, and they are the ones that started breaking. Things. Okay, i tell you what. Okay, 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 you've worn me down. Send that to me, and I will debunk it. Send it to me, and I will debunk it. Thank you, sir. All right, bye-bye. Talk like it. I will, I, will, I will waste my time. I will spend valuable time, and I will debunk that very easily, very easily. But here's what's going to happen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find something that debunks that, and then it's going to trigger like, well, yeah, well, you wouldn't believe that, would you? That's a report there. Why would you believe what, uh, you know, what this news outlet reported about that? Why would you believe that? Why would you believe fact check? You can't believe that. And you've disproved my theory with fact check. Why would you believe that? And so it goes on and on. That's why I try not to go down these rabbit holes because you never get out. You never get out. And I do try to remain open-minded about things, and I look at the evidence, and then at some point, I reach a conclusion based on that evidence, based on that evidence. And then once I get there, like, okay, if there's something new, let me know. If there's something new, let me know. If there's something new, I'll hear about it. You'll hear about it. But I'm not going to spend a lot of time going, you know what? That might be, I'm going to keep looking. I'm going to keep looking until I find out why the government lied to us about January 6th. I'm going to keep looking because, see, the government lies. And we know they've lied before, so they're probably lying now. So let me keep looking to find out how they're lying about what you and I saw with our eyes on January 6th. I'll be right back. The continually rising cost of a college tuition can be a huge burden on a student and their family, particularly here in West Virginia. Metro News Radio Network, along with their other sponsors, are proud to announce the 2023 West Virginia Scholar Program, which will help change the life of a West Virginia family forever. Any high school junior in West Virginia is eligible to apply where you could receive a full scholarship, including four years of room, board, tuition, and fees at West Virginia Wesleyan College. 
one of our state's most prestigious institutions of higher learning. If you have a current junior in high school or know someone who does, go to wvmetronews.com and click on the WV Scholar button to apply now. The application deadline is April 30th. It's easy to apply. Don't miss this opportunity for a full scholarship at one of the best colleges in our state. Apply today at wvmetronews.com. Remember the application deadline is April 30th. Babies in your community need basic supplies like diapers, formula, or clothing. Fruth is celebrating babies during March with their 8th annual baby event. You can help by donating or by entering your child in our baby event. No entry fee is needed. Visit your local Fruth or our website to learn more. This event and your donation will provide items that little ones need and bring awareness to local baby organizations. Thank you for your support. Fruth your hometown family pharmacy for over 70 years. This is Talk Line on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. West Virginia Outdoors is the Mountain State's only hook and bullet radio show dedicated to the more than quarter million hunters and anglers across the state. Award-winning host Chris Lawrence has been tracking down hunting and fishing stories for more than 25 years. Fun fact about groundhogs that not a lot of people know is they actually go through hepatitis B, much like humans do. So they've actually been used as a role model for how hepatitis progresses through humans. Don't even act like you knew that. Whether it's hunting and fishing news or just compelling stories about the enjoyment of the great outdoors. He brought the dogs in the next day. That dog, as soon as it got out of the side, side it hit the nose on the ground. It pulled us. It took us straight through that deer. Show point. Got a point. You got that one. West Virginia Outdoors covers it all Saturday mornings at 7.06 a.m. And for your daily fix, Outdoors Today brings you two and a half minutes of news and notes from the woods and water every weekday morning on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. Your source for news in the Mountain State is Metro News. Weekday mornings, start your day with the morning news. Three hours of the biggest stories across West Virginia, along with sports, weather, and more. Stay updated throughout the day with reports at half past each hour. And find all the info you need on your schedule at wvmetronews.com. The news you want from the name you trust. Metro News, for 36 years, the voice of West Virginia. Hi, this is Travis Jones. Join me and Coach Greg Hunter every Sunday night from 6.06 until 8 o'clock on the Metro News Radio Network for the CityNet Sunday Night Statewide Sports Line. We'll wrap up the week in sports in the Mountain State, talk about the Mountaineers, high school, and the Mountain East Conference. Plus, you can join the conversation on our toll-free line or on our text line at 304-TALK-304. Join us every Sunday night from 6.06 until 8 p.m. on Metro News. It's the CityNet Sunday Night Statewide Sports Line. Metro News Talk Line with Hoppy Kirchival is brought to you by Encova Insurance. Encircling you with coverage to protect what you care about most. Visit Encova.com to learn more. Talk Line from the Encova Insurance Studios. Are you feeling lucky? Well, luck has it. There's a game just for you in the new Lucky Family Scratch-Off Games. With chances to multiply your prize and more than $19 million in total prizes. Luck may be on your side. You don't have to turn on the charm to play all five lucky instant games. Just visit a West Virginia Lottery retailer today, Brad. How is here? Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Hop. So Don Plitzelwhite leaves after one year. Surprised? It was a jaw dropper. I was in the Charleston Coliseum when I heard the news on Friday. A jaw dropper. 
after just one year. Um, and listen, I've been I've been very upfront on on our show about this. I, I thought that was a tremendous hire. Yeah, I have really enjoyed watching her through the first season, interacted with her not only on the air but off the air at, I've seen her at basketball camps with kids. I, I thought the way they had the program pointed was exactly where you want to be, and they were doing a tremendous job. So stunned that after one year, she would pick up and go to a place with seemingly no connections. The, but there is, you know, again, she hasn't said anything to my knowledge. Um, and you're talking about the University of Minnesota. And we, we'll hear what Ren Baker has to say. He's having a, a media briefing. Uh, on that today, but you hear about, well, there's family concerns, her parents, the health of her parents, the health of her husband's parents, uh, back closer to all of that. And when somebody cites family, you you begin by accepting that there are, in fact, family issues, uh, family health issues, but there were family, Your her parents were older before she left and came here. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I mean, so I'm not I'm not questioning that she wants to be closer to a family, but I'm saying that coaches move all the time. And um, I don't know. I, it, it, it seems like if you really liked it here and this is really where you want it to be, you'd figure out a way to make it work. Yeah, I, I think there's no question about that. I, I think there's it, it, we'll hear a lot of things. You can say a lot of things. Don will come out and make a statement. And all due respect to her, you, you've got to kind of take that at face value for what it is. I don't know that you're going to get a true report in a public relations statement on what the reason is. But I think at the end of the day, that's the answer. If, if they really liked it here, thought they could win a national championship here, thought they could get what they need here in terms of bringing the players in, then she'd still be here after one year. I, I think there's – listen, been around a lot of coaches that have left on their own volition. It's generally in two buckets. It is generally pay and, and or it is generally – I feel there's an ease of recruiting somewhere else. Mm. It's generally one of those two things. Now, there's different tangents and offshoots off that second one, and some of it is geography. She's been a Midwest-based coach and player her entire life, so it stands to reason that contacts for her would be in that area. But again, she knew that before coming, taking coming here, this yeah, job. Yeah. Now, maybe you get here and it became a little more difficult to to get the players you wanted to get in here than she thought it would be. But it's it's an odd move after one year. And quite frankly, I'd be I'd be extremely disappointed if I was WVU. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you put, I a, lot so. of, you put a lot of time and effort and resources into that. And to now have to restart and jumpstart that again a year later, I would frankly be disappointed in that decision. Yeah, and to not, go to, and again, this I know we joke about this phrase, but I, I mean it. With all due respect to Minnesota, <laughs> that is not a move to Ohio State, Michigan, or Wisconsin where she's from. That, that's a Midwest move, but that's a school that she doesn't necessarily have any ties to. Has recruited Minnesota very heavily in her career. So that probably has something pretty heavily to do with it. And, and but Brad, I'm speculating you, you, you're in you're in sports marketing for years. But when you bring in a coach, it's also about building the program around her. So there's the promotion. There's you pushing her out there. She's having a good year. So there's all that too. You're investing too. The school is investing too in you in the coach. You're investing a lot other than just the salary paid. It's right, the commitment right. to the staff. It's to the stationary, it's graphics, it's redoing the entire locker room in terms of graphics. And listen, I've said this before, she 
they, meaning athletic department as well, the way they were marketing that program and doing it specifically aimed at youths was A+. plus. Mm-hmm. I've been there. I've done that. I see it. I know how to do that. That was A+, plus. what they were doing. That was going to pay off had they kept going. To have that abruptly end after one year is, is disappointing from a fan base perspective. Yeah, yeah. As a parent of someone with a youth that was totally invested in that mm-hmm. program and that person, that was disappointing, no question. And also, with what we were told that she was trying to build, what did you presume that she did over the course of the year with the existing players? You're re-recruiting them, right? Yeah. Don't leave. I know there's an NAL offer out here, but we're building something. This is our family. We want you to stay. I mean, I would imagine that's how you keep players, right? You don't say, go do what you want. You say, look, stay with us. Here's what we're trying to do. And then you go. <laughs> that's a, that, is a, that is a harsh reality for the players. You've, be, you've just been trying to recruit and to get to stay. You're correct. And let me say again, as I have said a thousand times with you, and I know you don't disagree with me on this, This is why when people scream that the transfer portal is all bad, I vehemently disagree. Those kids in that program that have bought in and been promised Don Plitzelwhite moving forward are now totally thrown into chaos as well. They should have the opportunity to pick up and go wherever they want, should that be their their decision. The transfer portal is not all bad. I know it's created some differences and it's changed the entire culture of college sports. There are reasons why it is good. This is, this an is exact, one of them. This is an one exact of example of why it needs to be in place because there's a lot of kids over there that are doing what you just said, saying, "What do you wait? What are you talking about? I, what, I just I, gave you everything I, I, I had. I bought into this. I was ready to go. And one year, I mean, this isn't three years. One year, and I've got to readjust. So th- there's some benefits to the transfer portal if you're a student athlete or a parent of a student athlete, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Kind of worked up on that. I forgot what else I wanted to talk to you about. Oh, uh, the the loss to Maryland. It seems like a it seems, it seems like, like it was a, a long time ago. ago. Yeah, it was like four years. I mean, ago. we're down to 16 teams. I did, it seems like forever ago. Moves it seems fast. Like it does, doesn't it? Moves fast. It? Yeah. Disappointing loss. I know we talked a little bit about it Friday. Just a disappointing loss from the standpoint that you, you had a chance to win that, I thought, two different times. Yeah. You go up by 10 in the first half. You're up by eight in the second half. You'd rallied back after they took the lead. I, th- I thought West Virginia was in pretty good shape. Just couldn't get over the yeah. hump there, there late. So overall, reiterate what I said to you on Friday. Overall, good job by the program to get back on track, get itself back in the NCAA tournament. It took the step from where it was last year, where it had really gone sideways to get that back. Now, you have to stay moving forward, keep some guys, add to them from the portal, and keep this thing moving forward. How surprised are you that only two Big 12 teams remain? Yeah, somewhat, because it it was such a great league all year. But I think as we kind of talked all year, I didn't know if there was an elite elite at the top of this league. I thought the strength of the league was really in the middle and the bottom. There were no off nights in this, but I think there were serious questions about whether there was a team that was capable of winning at the top. Kansas had a lot of flaws, including its depth. Baylor turned to have a lot of flaws. Difficult teams to beat night in, night out, but certainly flaws on a big stage in a one-game scenario. How's your bracket? Okay. Rallied a little bit. Oh, really? Rallied a little bit. Yeah, still have some Final Four teams left. Still have national champions left. All right. How about half the Sweet 16? Still alive. Surviving and advancing. Because <laughs> here's why. Did, yeah. Because everybody's bracket's a mess. Right, right. right? So, yeah. so nobody's picking Princeton to get to the Sweet 16. Huh? Right, right. So right. everybody's a mess, so you just try and hold in there with your Final Four teams. Did you um, did you watch Kentucky and K-State yesterday? Uh, no. Where was I? No, I was doing something. No, I, no, doing something else. I didn't see that one. Yeah, it was a good game. Oscar had a good game. 
He did, 25 and like 8, 18, 17, something like 18, 18 yeah. something like that. It was pointed out to me this morning by one Christian Miller. Look at my prop bet. Look at my prop bet. He had a prop bet on that. On, he cashed. On cheap way over rebounds. Yeah. It's a pretty safe bet all year. He shouldn't well, write it's, too it's, much. It was, was points and rebounds. Yeah. Well, Okay. So with Oscar Sheway. Thanks. And Newell oh, just went. Oh, Noel, yeah, I did. I did. So I did see that. I'm thinking, which game did I see? Yeah, late. He was. Uh, Noel was just on fire. Unbelievable. He gave a fast break between the legs, bounce pass back for a dunk. They were. Uh, they were rolling. Talk about a guy that did a great job in year one. Jerome Tang, oh. K State. Yeah, fantastic. Right. Thanks, Brad. See you. All right. We are there for you to care for you at the health plan. We are here for you. At the Health Plan, we are here for you. And that means something. It means we're headquartered right here in West Virginia, providing exceptional health coverage, local customer service, and putting your family first when it matters most. The Health Plan, we are here for you. I'm Rusty. I discovered a passion for coffee during a study abroad trip to Nicaragua. I wanted to take that passion to grow the coffee industry in my home state. Part of making that possible was the Promise Scholarship that I received. West Virginia Lottery. When you play, you say yes to West Virginia. Please play responsibly. West Virginia is home. It's where we work, play, and raise our families. And at the heart are West Virginia hospitals and the compassionate caregivers within them. From life-saving treatments and emergency care to wellness support and screening services, we're improving your quality of life through extraordinary measures and amazing results. Beyond our walls and in your communities, West Virginia hospitals are your trusted home for lifelong health. West Virginia hospitals, best of care, close to home. You're listening to TalkLine on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. Metro News this morning, the biggest stories from around the state of West Virginia. When you want them. Brought to you by Burdett Camping Center. Chris Lawrence at the Anchor Desk. We're ready to get your day started in West Virginia with all the information you need. Carrie Hudasek brings you the day's headlines. A number of weekend fires in Huntington are now under investigation. The latest fire happened at two abandoned homes just after two this morning in the 300 block of Richmond Street in the Guyandot area. Another abandoned home went up in flames on West 5th Avenue on Saturday night night. No one was hurt in either of those fires this weekend. Kyle Wiggs at the sports desk. Three of the four boys basketball state champions repeated Morgantown back-to-back in quad A. Fairmont seniors won back-to-back titles in triple A. Single A, James Monroe won again. The only new champion for 2023 double A, Chapmanville. And Hoppy Kerchival's daily commentary. Metro News this morning brought to you by Burdett Camping Center. Listen where you get your favorite podcasts and online at wvmetronews.com. We Days of three on Hotline, we talk about what you're talking about in sports, popular culture, tech, and more. We pepper our daily lineup with renowned local and national guests with authoritative perspectives on a wide variety of topics from high school sports to Hollywood and the financial markets. Every day, Coop and I have irreverent discussions with you using texts and tweets, plus our exclusive content like the question of the day in or out in Beer Friday. Metro News Hotline, weekdays on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. What you need to know today is just a click away. WVMetroNews.com has the latest statewide news stories from the capital city to your hometown. Follow your favorite sports teams from high school to the pros. Hunting and fishing information is always on the outdoors page. And never miss your favorite Metro News program with live streams and archived episodes. Wherever you are in the Mountain State, the information you need is at WVMetroNews.com. 
Talk line on Metro News. So a couple of things. Um, Governor Justice announcing the resignation of State Police Superintendent Jan Cahill. And in in connection with the ongoing investigation into the West Virginia uh, State Police, the governor has a news conference scheduled for one o'clock and it will be video streamed and it will be on our website. It will be on our website at WV metronews.com also i heard back from former superintendent cahill and he will be on the program tomorrow at 1106 so uh, i expect to have somebody from the administration in the 10 o'clock hour and i'll have former superintendent cahill in the 11 o'clock hour and the governor's presser at approximately one o'clock it will be streamed on our website at wvmetronews.com. This is Talk Line on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.